You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 48 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson. Acquisition is one way to grow our accounting or tax practice, but how do we go about it? What is the process and what mistakes to avoid? Stephen Fine of Focus Growth kindly offered to walk us through this process. Stephen is a specialist business broker for financial services practices, so accounting, tax and financial planning. My first question to Stephen is, where do the buyers come from? How do you find them? Here's Stephen. They might be uh, registered with us where they've given us a specification, what are they looking for by geography, client type, etc. So we, in a lot of cases, have a relationship with, uh, with them already. But yes, through ads as well, once we've got a, a business that's taken to market. So they don't call you in general, just say, hi, I'm Peter Smith, I want to buy a practice, what do you have? But they usually call you and say, I saw your ad in the paper for an accounting practice there and there, could you tell me more about it? So they usually contact you already with respect to a specific practice? Uh, no, they, they, we get a lot of people who contact us for oh, just no specific practice, just oh, in general. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Does the process differ on whether I want to start my own practice and then look at a practice I can take over and run, or whether I already have a practice and just want to buy the client list? Does the process I will go through, does that differ based on what my goals are? Not really. I think the process is pretty similar in both cases. Initially, just getting an understanding of the business, the, what are the you know the the, the client makeup, client geography, client type, value, seeing whether it's a, a match with uh, one's background, skill set, or existing business, and whether there's synergy. So you know whether it's uh, an individual coming into a business or a business who's uh, acquiring another similar size business. The process is is still uh, very much the same. And so what steps do I run through? If I contacted you now and said, I'm looking for a practice to buy? Well, first step is we'd, we'd want to understand what's going to be the ideal type of practice uh, and, as importantly, what's not going to work and whether we uh, have a business that's for sale that matches that uh, specification. Let's assume we do. It would be a matter of getting the buyer to sign a non-disclosure document, which allows us to share more information about the particular opportunity. We would you know, give a high-level overview of it and then just qualify what are the what are the key questions that need to be answered you now based on that particular vendor's requirements or, spe or specifications and if there's bias. a bias yes oh, no, but also the sellers yeah, yeah so we've got the buyers we know what the buyers are looking for we've got the seller and we, mm. we've got a sense of whether this is going to work or not if there's yes. a red flag where the seller says i will not move And uh, the buyer says, "I will not buy. Uh, uh, I will not. Move. I will not move to another office." Well, mm -hmm. we've got to tell both parties and say, "Look, before we take any next steps, um, one of us has to. Someone's got to uh, agree to something. Otherwise, it ends here." So it's a matter of just seeing if is there any major hurdles in uh, in taking the next step. So we generally smoke that out and communicate that to the parties. The buyer would sign a non-disclosure document, provide the information, and uh, then the next step would be to meet with the vendor. 
by that stage, the buyer would have a memorandum on the business and an understanding of the numbers and uh, the history of the business and staffing, etc. And it, you know, it would come down to uh, coming to an agreement on on, on what the transaction is going to look like, putting a heads of agreement document together, and a contract of sale and. Uh, Moving forward from there. Are you often nervous about this first meeting between buyer and vendor? Because I can imagine human chemistry plays a big role in this first meeting, and you and I can imagine it's difficult to tell which way it goes until the two meet and you see whether they click or don't click. Yes, we like to get everything out there early, the good, the bad, the ugly for both parties. So if two parties are getting together, they're going to find out. Anyway, so let's just put, let's just get it out there early. These are the pluses. This is a possible issue. This is a, a potential negative on that side. And on the buyer side, this is the pluses. That's a, po a possible, you know, ne a negative. And this is a definite negative. That way, there's no surprises. The two parties have agreed to meet each other knowing everything, you know, knowing the secrets that would have come out later beforehand. And that usually facilitates a better relationship moving forward. Um, you said before that you asked the buyer what area he is looking at, etc. I can imagine you will also ask him what price he's looking at. Yes, we need to get an understanding that uh, we're in this, the same ballpark. Mm -hmm. If the uh, expectations are way out of whack, well, there's mm. probably no point in meeting. Mm. And does it happen a little bit like I can imagine it happens with real estates that people are very specific, they want to practice in this postcode with this many staff members and this clientele, and then through the process you widen them into a slightly wider net to look for practices or to consider practices? Yes, I mean, we've got a general specification and, uh, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of uh, asking a question. If there's a practice uh, west of you which you hadn't mentioned, is that something that you may want to have a look at? Oh, yeah, no, west is fine. It's on it's on the train lines. Our staff can get there. Yeah, we. I should have said that. So sometimes it's just a matter of asking the question. And price, do you find that buyers very often underquote? So they, they say, I'm looking at two or three million but really want a four or five million dollar uh, practice? Or is it the no. other way around that they say, I have 10 million to spend, but when it comes down to it, they actually only have five? No, I don't find that they give specifications of underquoting at all. I think generally most buyers are, are pretty spot on and, and, and are clear with what, what they're looking to, to spend or the size of business that they're looking to acquire. But are you asking once they've identified a business whether they would Pay throw another number, yeah. a lower number than what mm -hmm. they're prepared to? Yeah, look, it's all part of the negotiation process. However, in saying that, in a competitive market, some of the most successful buyers that, that I've come across have been very clear from the be the beginning and haven't wavered and haven't wavered and generally they've moved forward and and uh, got the end result by uh, you know not so they they didn't fluff around they said they clearly stated what they wanted and that's what they went for yes hmm. yes yes do you find that buyers very often are better prepared have done more research about the whole process are clearer on what they want than the seller? There's some buyers who've, who've bought multiple businesses, they've been there, done that, they've gone through the process, they know exactly what they're doing. And then you get buyers who have never bought anything before and are you know, on a learning curve. We land up doing a fair bit of educating and uh, hand-holding. But in answer to your question, 
Yeah, if you think about it, uh, how many times in your life would you sell a business? Well, once, maybe twice. Whereas, you know, some of the bigger buyers have bought multiple businesses and, uh, you know, have got the process down pat and, and know exactly what they're doing. So most sellers are quite new to the process. Some buyers are new to the process, but then you also have a group of buyers who have done it many times before. And yeah. Hence, uh, Yes. yes. And which ones do you enjoy more? Well, I can tell you it's, it's a lot easier when buyers are very, very clear, know exactly what they're doing. So it does uh, make the process a lot smoother. Do you adjust your commission accordingly? When, when you know that this buyer knows what they want, it will be a very smooth, very quick process? Or when you realize actually this buyer is very uncertain, unsure? No, that doesn't change the, the commission. At the end of the day, it's is, getting the what, result. What is yeah. the commission, by the way? Look, we work as a, uh, as a percentage of the mm -hmm. transaction value, and that uh, ranges. It depends on the size of the business yes, as well. Yes, it's higher for a small business and lower for a large business. Generally, it is, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, if it's, a, if it's a significant size business, it might be in bands where the first X percentage of the transaction is a certain And if you reach amount, this... And then If you yeah. say it's a mountain. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And so can you give an indication of the bandwidth of commission? Is it similar to houses, which I think uh, no, it looks generally more really good and no, three Yeah, no, if you look at uh, the market, business broking in, in general, those percentages are going to be higher than, than uh, real estate. I think it's, you know, a house is, a, is an object. Yeah. No, 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 and it's an object that has a lot less complexity than a, a business sale mm. with personalities and yeah. the ongoing thing and transition. Yeah. And, with a so, little house, you do, you do four or five open, open house inspections. Of, <laughs> of, yeah. No real estate agents listening because yeah. I guess there's more to it than that. But yeah, I can imagine a house turns over much quicker than, than a business where you have to do sure. all the due diligence. Yes, yeah. So look, it can range from 5% to 7 8% as a commission. I think generally in this industry and across the board, that's generally the, uh, the market. Uh, Is it 5 7 8% of the first installment or also including the second installment? It's generally the overall transaction. Oh, I see. So the yeah. second installment also affects you then? Yeah, it depends what's common. yeah, it depends what's negotiated. It's not yeah. uh, it's not hard and fast in every case, but um, mm. you know, a lot of the time it's the it's the total total transaction. And in that case, uh, it would change with the second instalment. You know, depending on whether the second instalment goes up or down. In that case, your your commission would also go up or down. No, so you've got a to uh, a total transaction. Let's say it's mm -hmm. a, it's a hundred, and eighty percent is paid up front, and then twenty percent is paid at a certain point in time, the commission is generally on the 100 at the point of, of and is not settlement. And it's not affected on whether yeah. the second installment goes over the 20 or below the 20. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, because otherwise we have to wait. Uh, yeah, and it becomes a, it becomes a lot more 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 mm, complex. Mm. Um, are there typical mistakes you can think of that that you have seen buyers commit? I've seen buyers really upset sellers by talking down their business, and you know sellers have taken great offence to that. And mm. uh, you know even if it's uh, the buyer had the motivation, the money, they 
might just walk away. I've seen that before. It seems to be the absolute number one. Basically, really walk on ice when you're talking with the vendor about his business and um, only show the utmost respect to the interior I think decorating. That's, and yes, I think that's important. I think mm. that's important. Look, I think from a buyer's perspective, again, being very clear on, on what you want and as importantly what you don't want. You know, if there's any non-negotiable, state them early. The third mistake from buyers is making assumptions about the financing and not being very clear that the financing is going to come through. So doing one's homework early on can save a lot of time and heartache. So not going to the bank with the signed contract for the first time and asking the bank manager whether they can finance it. Yeah, I think it's part of the process and you want to start looking at the financing pretty early on in the process. There's no point in going through all the due diligence only to find out that you know, the bank says no. So, uh, you know, doing your homework and, and knowing what you're capable of, of lending is pretty important. You know, the other mistake is just not having a sense of urgency. I'll give you an example, and it's one that's happened right currently. It's very, very relevant now, is the vendor had some time pressure. For whatever reason, they had some time pressure. And therefore, they were actually quite flexible on the price. It wasn't necessarily on the price. It was because it was a good business and... They had an agreement with the buyer and kept on reminding the buyer, look, we need to get this moving, we need to get this moving. And the buyer just had a, a lack of urgency to the point where the deal actually fell over because the buyer just Did you know, sat on the con boards. Yeah, sat on the contract for, for two weeks. And by that stage, it was too late. And then so, the vendor sold to somebody else. It's kind of a complex decision. The vendor had to make a decision about whether they would renew something or not. They didn't want to do it. They wanted to sell the business, move on to something completely different. But if it didn't happen in a certain amount of time, they, they were to. under time pressure. They had to renew. The lease probably. And the time was ticking and the time was ticking and the time was ticking. And it just got too much at the end. And the vendor so he said, renewed and therefore didn't sell. He, re he renewed and, and therefore didn't sell. Mm. So the, the buyers missed out. And the, the sad thing about it is the buyer was super, super keen, really wanted to happen, but just did not have a sense of urgency. And, you know, it's probably more nerve-wracking on the, on the seller's side. You don't get a phone call and you start sweating and, you know, the deal's off, what's going to happen? And, you know, so there's a lot of emotion involved. So, yeah, that's another mis mistake is, is uh, to complete it, have a sense of urgency. And it's very easy to put things on the back burner and say, look, I've got mm. these operational things. I'll do this tomorrow. I'll do it later. But time's ticking. Yeah. yeah, and I can imagine it happens especially when the buyer knows or thinks he's the only one. It does. I think as soon as yeah. FOMO kicks in, fear of missing out, yeah. the buyer probably yeah. gets more active. True. That's true. So just keep the momentum going, I, I would mm. say. And the other mistake is not asking the right questions. You want to know everything about this business. You don't want to leave anything for a surprise uh, towards the end. A great question for a buyer is, is there anything that I should know about this business that, that I don't know? Is there anything that I should be asking that I haven't asked you? You want to cover off things like compliance, the history with staff, asking a question, do, do any of the staff have ownership of the clients? That's a great question. 
do any of the staff think they've got ownership of the client? That's even more That's important. That's an even more important question. Mm -hmm. So there's those kind of questions that you want to cover off pretty early so that you don't uh, have a, an unpleasant surprise down the track. And then probably questions about debt, bank guarantees. Debt, bank guarantees. Look, if it's a share sale, you've got obviously got to ask a lot more questions about the history of the, the actual entity itself. But if it's an asset sale, it's... Uh, you know, asking questions about the about the clients and, uh, you know, if there's uh, five or six really large, significant clients, you know, would these clients come across to us? Do you think they'd have any issues in coming across? If they did, well, what do you think those issues might be? So those are really good questions that a buyer can ask a vendor. In terms of demand, it's a seller's market at the moment. There is more buyers than sellers. I think that really comes down to the way to grow. Acquisition is, is an excellent way to grow. In the past, you know, it was organic growth. Now it's, it's getting a bit harder, the organic growth. So acquisition is a way to grow quickly. You know, if you've got good resources, you can scale up, bolt on the, uh, the revenue on top and uh, make the business more, more profitable. So the demand is stronger. Whether that's going to remain over the next couple of years, it's hard to say. People have been talking about the age of the average accountant and whether there's going to be more sellers with time. We haven't seen that yet, not to say that won't happen, but at this point in time, we do have far more registered buyers with us than sellers. Is it also quite dependent on the state of the economy? So when the economy is going strongly, you have more buyers than sellers, whereas then the economy is... Is struggling. You have more sellers than buyers. I don't really think it's that dependent on the on the economy at the time. Uh, you know, if you think of the reasons that uh, one would sell a sell a business, you know, ill health, retirement, financial duress, you're just tired of the business. I, I think those don't really change that much. I don't think there's a significant difference based on where the economy's at at that point in time. Mm. You know, it might be harder to to raise finance to to buy on the flip side of that. So I think it all balances out. Who do you find harder to deal with, the vendor or the buyer? I don't have an answer for that, unfortunately. It's, uh, you know, there's extreme examples on both sides. I always just think it just comes down to clarifying early on. That's just so important. I mean, I'll give you an example of from a, seller, a seller's perspective. We worked on a transaction for nine months and at the final hour, the uh, vendor said, I can't sign this, I've changed my mind. And you kind of want to say, well, would it be nice to actually have identified that nine months ago? So you, you I think it's an enormous a, risk when you We do, we do. I, I mean, we've, we, you know. You it's would a, have spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours on this thing. Yes, it's an interesting business in that respect. It's, um, you know, if it doesn't, it's, it's kind of feast or famine, really. It's, uh, you know, if it doesn't happen, well, we don't eat, we don't get paid, and if it does happen, well, that's great. But uh, I think we're fortunate now that we've got uh, enough volume to roll with the punches, and uh, in any uh, number of deals at any one time, you know, there's a number that don't go through for whatever reason, and luckily we've been able to smooth that out now because there's enough volume. Do you usually have a gut feeling early on that this might happen? Yeah, I think the instincts have improved over the years. In the early days, it took you, we, by complete you would miss. It took you by complete surprise, and you'd miss the signs. But I'd like to think we've got better at it. Yeah, there's certain things that that come up early now that are are, are kind of warning signs. Mm. And I guess yeah. when when you see these warning signs, you can then address 
that point raise the question do you still want to go ahead and hence yeah. stop putting so many hours into it yes yes a big part of it for everyone's sake is just asking the hard questions early yeah Welcome back. I was surprised that there is a seller's market out there, that Focus Grows has far more registered buyers than sellers. Given our average age demographics, I would have thought that this is the other way around. In the next episode, episode 49, Patrick Huang of Argo Lawyers will talk about earnout arrangements. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.